Hello and welcome to the Markets Politics Podcast. I'm Matthew Shaddock and I'm joined as always by Patrick Flynn and also this week by our guest, Andrea Palmer, who's going to talk us through this weekend's Italian election, as well as talking about one of his other areas of expertise, Labour Party selection process. But before we get to that, though, let's have a quick look at the UK political scene. Obviously, politics basically shut down for about 10 days following the Queen's death. But it sounds as if we're going to get a raft of announcements, as well as this mini budget on Friday from the Chancellor. Patrick, has anything changed much in the last couple of weeks? Any betting reaction to how things are turning out for trust? Not really. There's not much evidence of a kind of trust honeymoon so far. Um, the Tories have gained a couple of points in a few polls, but I think I mentioned this last week that those changes were mostly off the back of 2019 Tory voters that were undecided coming back into the Tory fold. Um, but from a market perspective, the markets haven't really been particularly impressed by trust, um, it has to be said. So Labour are now odds-on favourites to win the most seats at the next election at 54%. Um, whether that's because we tipped them last week, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but I did actually have a look back, and the last time Labour were odds-on favourites in a market like this, based on what the market is looking like now, I thought it was would have been a long time ago, but it was actually February 2018. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting because at the time, Labour were only ahead in the polls by about one percentage point. Um, and right now, Labour's leads, depending on who you look at, range from somewhere from four points to 12 points. So they're comfortably ahead. And yet their chance of winning the most seats at the next election is pretty much where it was then. Um, so I think there's an interesting kind of disparity there. Yeah, actually, we've got the first electoral test coming up for this trust because good news for election fans. We've got a by-election coming up, it looks like, in West Lancashire. Pretty safe Labour seat by the sound of it. What are the early odds saying about that? Yeah, so as you said, the uh, market is making it a very, very safe Labour seat. Um, Labour are currently rated a 94% chance on our market. Personally, I'd probably make it a little bit higher, like 96, 97 Um yeah, the, the national picture looks looks poor for the Tories and there aren't really any unique dynamics in this constituency that would maybe swing things to the Tories. Um, in fact, I think the opposite might be true. Uh, so a few years back in this constituency, a fracking company withdrew its application to start fracking in the constituency after backlash from local residents. Um, now, just giving some context, Liz Truss is now set to lift the ban on fracking. Um I saw Jacob Rees-Morgan on, on Newsnight last night saying that the tremor level was too low or something. Yeah, don't worry about the earthquakes, yeah. that's all fine. <laughs> um, so you could see potentially the Tories punished here, maybe, in a similar way that Labour kind of got punished in Copeland in the 2017 nice, by-election around the topic of, of nuclear power. I think one interesting dynamic here is how the Greens do. Um so, I mean, realistically, there's no prospect of them winning, but we have seen a pattern in local government recently where the Greens have been taking seats from the Tories as well as Labour. And since the local elections, the Greens have gained five seats in local government and all of those have come from Conservatives. So perhaps we could see some disaffected anti-fracking Tory voters maybe lending their votes to the Greens in this yeah. by-election. It might be that the most interesting betting market around this is going to be who's going to come third yeah. or something like that, because it, it doesn't seem very plausible that Labour are going to lose this seat, but we'll soon see. 
Let's move on to Italy. We've got a general election this weekend, and we have a special guest, Andrea Palmer, who I've known for a while through his contributions on politicalbetting.com and Vote UK. Andrea, why don't you uh, just introduce yourself, tell us about um, what you do. You're working in academia, I believe. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for your invite. Uh, yes, I work in academia mainly as, as a sociologist, so not exactly a political sciences, but I've always been interested in politics, and especially British politics. That's why we met online. But uh, today we speak mainly about Italian. What will happen during the weekend in Italy? Yeah, the first thing I wanted to ask you about, Andrea, is there's a new electoral system, I believe, being used for the first time in this election. How, just explain to us how they allocate seats in, well, let's just stick with the chamber, which is the sort of equivalent of the House of Commons. The main change for this year is actually in the number of seats that will be, so the number of MPs that will be elected, because it's been uh, reduced by an initiative by the movement Five Stars that pushed a lot for it also in terms of uh, sort of populist uh, dynamics to show that we bring down the cost of politics. So we reduce the number of MPs with all the privilege and so on. That, that kind of rhetoric led to this uh, reduction. And so all other parties, many of the other parties didn't oppose it because of the why they fear, fear to look like they were wanting to keep the privilege for themselves. And so the number of six were reduced in the House of Commons from 630 to 400, and at the Senate, Senate from 315 to 200. 200. And so it's quite a big reduction that complicated things for parties and when they have to choose the candidates because there were more MPs than available places, especially for parties who are expected to lose the seats. And so it was a lot of internal fighting and so on, people moving from one party to another, that in Italy is very typical. And uh, in terms of the main system to allocate system, seats, it, it didn't change a lot. Basically, the main thing is that uh, around two-thirds of MPs in both chambers are elected using a proportional representation system. And then there is around one-third that is elected to uh, force uh, past the post system. So, yeah. so, I mean, it's interesting because if you look at the polls, it's pretty close between the Brothers of Italy, the Fratello d'Italia, who are the main right-wing party these days, and the uh, Social Democrats. But the betting says there's about a 95% chance that the Fratelli d'Italia will actually end up as the largest party. And that's something to do with the way the right have a slightly better cooperative system for the constituency seats, right? Yeah, it's a mix between uh, the electoral system and the fact that uh, some parties can group in coalitions. So uh, Fratelli d'Italia is running in a coalition with uh, Forza Italia, which is Berlusconi party, and Lega Nord, Northern League. So, the, and then a, sm a small uh, list of uh, centrist uh, um, views. Basically, the, those four parties are running together it means that in the first past the post constituencies, they are running, they are supporting just one candidate. On the other side, this, the Democratic Party is running in a coalition with uh, the Green Left and uh, other smaller parties. 
but uh, so overall in terms of coalition the Fratelli d'Italia plus uh, Forza Italia plus Lega is polling between 15 to 20 percent more than PD and its allies so for the one third of MPs elected in the first uh, with uh, in the first past the post constituencies they are every powered to elect someone from the right uh, center right coalition because they have a big lead in terms of coalition as the Fratelli d'Italia allies are have a higher share than the Democratic Party allies. So in a way, even if they are close in terms of big parties, in terms of coalition, also in the proportional representation part, they are likely to elect more right wing, more MPs from center right parties, plus the great, great majority of force past the post constituency are going, should, are expected to go toward the center right yeah so if we assume that the the right-wing coalition gets a majority between them and that fratelli d'italia are the largest party which seems more or less certain can we then assume that the fdi's leader georgia maloney is she absolutely certain to be prime minister is there something that could happen after the election to stop that the 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 agreement between the centre-right parties that the parties among them that polls the most will get the prime minister. So if she's, uh, uh, if Italia is the top uh, top uh, party among the centre-right coalition, which is very likely because in the polls they are polling uh, much more than Liga, uh, Northern Liga, which is the in the polls is around twenty-five percent for Fratelli d'Italia, twelve percent for uh, Northern Liga, and like seven percent for Forza Italia. So there shouldn't be. I mean, polls in Italy have traditionally been quite bad. <laughs> polling in Italy, but uh, let's say the the lead is quite huge in terms of. Uh, of leader compared to the old its uh, allies. So. In this way, yes, they, she will be... Okay, I mean, that, that makes sense. I mean, Maloney is also about a 95% chance of being the Prime Minister according to market odds. Yes, uh, I agree that's pretty much likely because the process is that uh, the President of the Republic should nominate a candidate for a Prime... Uh, should give the charge to one of the candidates for uh, to form a government and then the government goes in front of both chambers, so both the House and the Senate, and they should get a majority. So it's fair to say that more or less everyone in Italy thinks this election is pretty much a done deal. We're going to get Maloney as prime minister ahead of a right-wing coalition. We haven't seen any poll in the last two weeks because our law don't allow to publish uh, polls in the two weeks before in the run-up of the election because otherwise we are supposed to be influenced by the polling. <laughs> and so we should be kept obscure about the new polling. Yeah, there were a few legislators in the UK who floated the idea a few years ago that we should ban polls before elections, but uh, that never came to anything. Just one last question on this, Andrea. Um, although quite a lot of the Italian right are fairly Eurosceptic, am I, am I right in saying that there's really no prospect of this government introducing anything towards leaving the EU or anything like that? I, I don't think that we uh, leave the EU. But uh, it will change the dynamics in terms of relationship with the EU. I mean, also in terms uh, when they are at uh, Bruxelles tables, uh, she will be certain less uh, uh, 
prone to Germany and France uh, way as a more supporting like Hungary and so on. In this campaign, she has been slowing down her uh, Euroscepticism Euro, Euro because uh, try to appease uh, to look um, a bit more moderate. Uh, I think she there won't be major um, legislative movement to leave the European Union, but they will change the dynamics in the relationship with the European Union. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, just one last thing before we let you go, Andrea. Um, Patrick was just going to ask you a few questions about one of your other areas of expertise, which happens to be the selection of Labour Party candidates. Um, Patrick. Yeah. So, Andrea, I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. Um, so we have some markets on Labour candidate selections for the next general election in this kind of niche field. Um, perhaps the most high profile story right now is the potential deselection of Sam Tarry, Labour's MP for Ilford South. Um, so the market on markets currently rates it around an 80% chance that Tarry will be replaced as, as Labour's candidate. Does this tally with what you think? Uh I think it's in a deep trouble <laughs> uh, because uh, basically the reselection process for MP, for sitting MPs is a, it's what they call the trigger ballot in the Labour Party. It's basically that every branch, both world branches and um, affiliate branches, which means the unions, vote if they want to reselect the MPs or not. With Starmer, they made the uh, threshold to be the, uh, not reselected um, much harder to reach, so it's easier to be reselected now. And the problem for Terry is that he lost all the world parties branches. And it's the membership that now we vote in the open selection. And it all goes back uh, to his original selection, which was very, uh, it arises very strong feelings because not only it was actor who to be parachuted, which is fairly done by all parties. I mean, <laughs> it's not something new, but the fact that his main opponent was the council leader and he was suspended um, before the, the week before the original selection meeting with accusation of sexual harassment. And then uh, the, the process was stopped and then it uh, reopened because there was uh, the general election coming up in 2019. And then after the general election, it was uh, cleared of the accusation. So in a way, all the council group and all the support of the council leader feel very strong because not just they didn't get the, the candidate, but also they feel that uh, it was uh, done on a purpose to stop uh, him with some sort of very personal uh, accusation, which is not like just uh, keep somebody uh, off of the short list. So that's why it's a very hard fought as a campaign for the resolution, like for other MPs, which is more, uh, something more straightforward. So now it's the membership that vote. Terry is automatically on the short list. Now there are the branch nomination meeting, but Terry is boycotting them. So the council leader is expected to get all of them with a very large majority. I think in the first two, he got 100% because Terry is saying to his supporter not to go, which also part of the strategy not to show that you are behind, maybe. Uh, and uh, so it's a bit difficult for him to win because 
he lost the reselection, which was a yes or not on him, uh, in all the world branches and so among the membership. And they will vote in the open selection. So in terms of the actual selection process, do the unions have a 50% uh, vote as they do in the trigger ballot? No, the open selection is just the members. So the union members who are also members of the, the local labor party vote, otherwise there's not, like in the trigger ballot, 50% uh, weight like in the electoral college. So it's now just a membership vote. So that's why the fact that he lost, lost all war branches make it... Uh, Art for him. Yeah, it's definitely going to be worth keeping an eye on over the next few weeks. Uh, it's on uh, 10 October, I think, the final selection. 10th of October. Okay. Um, so we also discussed the West Lancashire by-election briefly earlier. Um, is there anything you could tell us about the kind of candidate Labour might select there? For, from what I've seen, it's not a massively active constituency Labour Party. Um, they didn't make nominations in Labour's NEC elections in 2022 or, or 2020. And they were actually one of a small group to nominate Emily Thornbury for the leadership in 2020. So from what you've seen, is this is this CLP a bit of a, a bit of a wild card? Uh, I, as it's a by-election, the selection process is a bit different. It's much more controlled by London. I mean, there was a try to do a rule change a couple of years ago at the conference that uh, the shortlisting uh, panel should be composed by three local party executive members, just two from uh, the national executive, but it had been ignored in the later uh, uh, by-election shortlisting and the typical... Um, practice is that a panel composed by um, member of the National Executive uh, Committee plus uh, one uh, member of the regional party shortlist the candidates in, in order, and so they can get what <laughs> the national the London wants because they basically put on the shortlist they usually just the people they they want to be selected they construct the shortlist in a way that the local party is pushed toward a sort of selection that uh, because uh, there are a lot of more uh, highlighted campaign, so they don't want to risk somebody like a wild card being <laughs> selected and then uh, and having posted or done or said strange things on the social media and to risk a sort of negative uh, publicity. So in a way, it will be probably some um, a selection led by the National Party. It will be the local member voting, but on a, on a short list given them uh, to them by the panel. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's a bit up what the, the National Party thinks. Either they think it's so safe, even with a trust potential honeymoon, uh, they can try to parachute someone from outside the area, or if they want, if they want to risk, go for some safe local choice. But the council leader, I think, they said that she won't apply, the, apply to the selection. So, but there are some couple of councillors that uh, wanted to do it. But it depends on what uh, the national party has in mind. <laughs> because, uh, for instance, in Wakefield, uh, all the local councillors who applied were not shortlisted by the national party. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Thank you, Andrea. Is there anything you wanted to add, Matthew? No, that's great, Andrea. Thanks so much for joining us.
and hopefully we'll have you on again sometime in the future. I hope it has been clear. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfect. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. So just before we go, let's talk about Donald Trump. Um, story broke yesterday uh, that the Attorney General in New York has filed some charges against Trump. Now, I don't know anything very much about the American legal system, so my first reaction in these situations is check the betting market, see how significant this is. What's been happening, Patrick? Yeah, as you say, I think we should leave the uh, technical questions to the experts. Um, but yeah, the, the Attorney General in New York has filed a civil lawsuit against Donald Trump and will be making a criminal referral to the US Department of Justice. Um, in terms of what the markets are saying, Trump has drifted slightly, um, but he's still trading around a 20% chance of being elected president in 2024. So he's gone from 21 to 19. So it's not much of a much yeah. of a jump. Um, but he's still the current market favorite. I think what we have to remember is that even if the kind of legal rope tightens around Trump, and even if he is indicted or even convicted of a crime, he still wouldn't be disqualified from running for president, as I understand it. Um, I think in terms of Trump's supporters, I think he said it best himself that he could shoot someone and wouldn't lose any any support from them. Um, I can't see it making any difference to his kind of core base of support at this stage. I think the bigger question is perhaps what these potential legal troubles do to Republican donors or media outlets. Um, I think over the last few months, there was some suggestion that Fox News, which is owned by Rupert Murdoch, was cooling on Trump a bit and giving some more coverage to Ron DeSantis, Trump's kind of main opponent, if the betting markets are to be believed. But I think some of that has changed again since the the raid on Mar-a-Lago by the FBI. Um, but I think, yeah, those those factors on donors and, and the media maybe have some more influence on his chances of winning the Republican nomination. Yes, getting pretty tight at the top of the betting there. The top three, Trump, DeSantis, and now Biden's chance have improved in the last three weeks. So getting very close between the three of them at the top of the market. Yeah. Okay, so thanks for watching this week. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to hear some more from us, you can keep up to date on Twitter, our account, Markets Poll, all the breaking news and new markets. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel, which I'm sure some of you are watching right now. And if you've got any questions for us next week, where our special guest will be Kieran Pedley from Ipswich Maury, just DM us on Twitter, comment on YouTube, or you can email us, politics at smarkets.com. See you next week. Yeah.